Everything just seems to be going wrong in the world, especially sometimes in our own lives when we, when we, when we experience a loss like you guys have, have done recently and um, struggles that are going on in our lives. It's hard to see. And sometimes we forget how good our Father is. But let me remind you of this. Always keep this in mind. This is how we know he's a good, good father, because he gives us a way back to him through the blood of Jesus. Amen? He's awesome, isn't he? Um, I think we want to start. If I could get you guys to stand up, I'm going to do a scripture reading today. This is going to be in uh, 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to be reading um, verses 7 through 9. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 9. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. That's awesome, right? The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Let us pray. Father, we just love you so much. What a blessing it is, Lord, to be here. What a blessing it is, Lord, from you to be able to, to just share your word today, Lord. What a blessing it is to be in this um, environment um, with these brothers and sisters, Lord, that I've never met a single one of them except for my brother Kevin, Lord, but, but just uh, meeting them online through, uh, through the Wednesday um, Bible study, Lord. You've blessed my life, Lord. And, Lord, I just thank you so much for giving me this opportunity, Lord. Let everything that comes from my mouth, Lord, be representative of you well, Lord. Let me not speak one word in, in, in any way um, that doesn't reflect your love and your kindness, Lord. This is all about you, Jesus. Our life is all about you, Jesus. And when we take our focus off of you, Jesus, it's for ourselves. And we don't want to be there, Lord. We just thank you so much for this lovely day you've given us, this amazing, amazing time with these brothers and sisters, Lord. We ask you to bless this time this morning. We ask you to bless every one of these folks in here today and everyone that might be watching um, that can't be here today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, man. This is, uh, this is not my comfort zone. I want to let you guys know this right now. Um, so, uh, but just bear with me. I'll get you guys through this. Hopefully not. Uh, I won't get you out the door too late. I did ask Kevin if he ordered pizza for lunch uh, for you guys because we might be here a little bit past lunch, but hopefully not too much past lunch. Um, so anyways, uh, I met Pastor Huff. Well, I met him here. I don't know if you remember meeting me. I was here watching, uh, listening to Kevin uh, do a sermon, I don't know, maybe six months ago or something like earlier, way earlier this year before the shutdown happened. And, uh, and we just met. We just briefly met. We didn't really talk or anything like that. But several months ago, um, Kevin invited me to uh, an online uh, Wednesday night Bible study. And, I, and I, I, I recognize some faces here. I've never met any of you guys. Um, but um, it's been a blessing to me. And if you haven't had an opportunity to get onto that Bible study on Wednesdays, I encourage you, please do so. This is awesome time. This is awesome fellowship. So since that time, I felt like I've become part of the family. You know, I felt so welcome, Pastor Huff and, and Sal, you guys have been so amazing in, in your faith and, and your trust in the people around you. It's just been something special to see. And um, to me, it's just been such a blessing to be a part of. Kevin and, um, and his family have been a blessing. Uh, me and my family, my beautiful wife, my son Eddie's back here uh, for several years now through our upward ministry that we used to run. And, um, you know, Kevin Coley, I call him KC 
Kevin Coley, and um, I call his family the Sunshine Band. So it's KC and the Sunshine Band, in case you guys haven't heard that yet. Now, Kevin's just Kevin, but his family is the Sunshine Band. And when I say sunshine, I don't mean S-U-N. I mean S-O-N, because they shine the love of Jesus. And I think it's an amazing thing that we can all um, learn from. So I hope you guys feel the same way that I do about them. So anyways, I want to thank you guys for that. So um, let us start by this. Kevin told me uh, a couple weeks ago, he said, Dave, he said, you have to do a prop. If you want to come up and speak here, you have to do a prop. This is what I do. And I said, okay, I'll try to figure something out. So, so here's my prop. We're going to do Name That Tune. But here's the good thing about it. If any of you guys can name that tune, I'm going to give you a $100 bill. Sounds like a good deal, isn't it? Okay. So I think Brian's going to start uh, playing one of the songs. He's only going to play about, um, about 15, five, uh, t- 10, maybe 10 to 15 seconds of the song, so you guys are going to have to get it pretty quickly. Okay? You guys ready? Raise your hand if you think you know the song. So I see hands. I need a hand up in the air. There we go. Let's go. All right. We got, a, we got our hand raised. That's it. Come up and get your $100 bill. I'm not a man that can lie. I love Jesus. All right, guys. We got a $100 bill. Can we give him a hand? Can we give him a hand? All right, all right. Now, wait a minute. We have another opportunity. You can't win this one, but we're going to have another one. Now, I think he got that within five seconds. You guys think it was about five seconds I was playing? I think as soon as he heard um, Zach Williams' voice. So we got another $100 bill here waiting to be given to somebody. So let's go ahead and play that second song. Come on, I see Oh, I got you right here. Come on. What's that? Negative. All right, anybody else? Any other children? <laughs> All right, go ahead. What's that? All right, you're out. Come on, play it a little bit more. All right, we got a hand. What's the name of the song? You got Chris Tomlin. That's good enough. Come on up, man. Get your $100 bill. All right, give him a hand. Now, he had a little trouble when the music played, but as soon as he heard Chris Tomlin's voice, maybe that two seconds he heard that, and he knew it right away, didn't he? All right. Thank you, guys. That, that's your $100 bill, so uh, make sure you enjoy that. Don't spend it all in one place. I see somebody already gave an offering. Like, oh, he took it. You took it back? I, I didn't think you were allowed to take money out of the plate. <laughs> thought you had to put it in the plate. I know, right? So, uh, wow. Anyways, um, again, thank you guys for being here. So as you guys know... Um, uh, Kevin has been uh, in a series with, uh, with 1, 2, and 3, and John, and, and next week he's going to wrap it up with Jude. And um, it, it's just been, I mean, I don't know if you guys have been reading along with him in this series, uh, but if you haven't yet, please do so. These books, these letters are absolutely amazing. And, and, and what it does is um, it, it, it speaks about truth. It speaks about truth. And there's nothing more important than the truth. And we're going to go through, uh, uh, Kevin tasked me with, uh, with 3 John uh, today, so um, we're going to go through 3 John. Um, it might take quite a while. This is not a, a short letter like uh, Kevin had last week. He only had 13 verses in, uh, in 2 John, if you guys were here to read that. 
This one's much longer. This one's, I think, 15 verses. Yeah, 15 verses. So he gave me the long one. But it's okay. Um, we're just going uh, to uh, walk through this. Um, but um, what I love, what I really love about these letters, like I said, it's, it, it teaches us the truth versus false teaching. And this is very, very important for you guys to know. Now, if you guys have been here a while, you don't have a whole lot to worry about because you guys are under the umbrella of a, of a fantastic uh, leader that, um, that Jesus has put in place here. As a matter of fact, several fantastic leaders. And, um, and I, can, I can attest to that just from the short time that I've gotten to know these folks, um, that you are in good hands when it comes to being led um, into the word of the Lord. Um, the truth is Jesus. So that means the truth is serious. We have to take this truth very, very seriously. And it, 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 it reminds us that the truth, and, and because of how serious it is, it far, far surpasses us um, uh, the need to seek approval from other people or, be, or, or coddle people with kind words all the time. Because the truth is very, very important. So um, with that said, um, there's, a, there's a, sub, a sum and a substance to this letter, and it's really, really simple. This letter is about four men and their reputations. Four men and their reputations. Kevin's jumping ahead. That's okay. Um, four men and their reputations. So uh, we, we're going to um, start with, I think it's slide three, Kevin. So I'm going to read scripture f- for you guys. Three John. We're going to start in, um, in um, obviously chapter one, because there's only one chapter. Um, and this is uh, three John one. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, who I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health, just as, as your whole life is doing well. For I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth, how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this, to hear that you are children walking in truth. Next slide. Dear friend, this is verse 5. You are acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they are strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, since they set out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers with the truth. All right, we can stop there. Um, this is already packed full of, of, of good stuff. Now, if you, if you guys have read through this letter already, or as you um, listen as we read along today, or if you read along, you'll see that, that Jesus and the Spirit are not specifically mentioned in this letter. But what we do know is that Jesus is the truth. And if you can see, I believe I highlighted, um, I highlighted in here how many times the word in the truth is spoken about. So we know that John was specifically talking about Jesus in this scripture, in this letter that he's writing. In the first four verses, he mentions in the truth four times. He goes on in the the first uh, eight verses to mention mention the truth again. And then he also mentions, this is the one I love so much. He says here in verse 7, since they are set out for the sake of the name. And name, the the word name here is, is capitalized. So we know for, without a shadow of a doubt that he's talking about Jesus. And the great thing about this is this is the same John that laid his head on Jesus. This is the same John that often put his hands on Jesus. This John was an eyewitness to everything that Jesus did when he started his ministry. 
And this is why we know how important this letter is. And this is how we know that he's speaking directly about Jesus when he's speaking about the truth. So in the summary, um, this, this first guy that we're talking about, is, uh, this name, his name is Gaius. And John is the, the letter is actually addressed to this gentleman. And um, the, 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 the reputation of this guy is that he's a faithful follower of Christ and the true gospel of Jesus Christ. John's commending him um, for fidelity and for speaking the truth with boldness. He's not afraid to shy back from speaking the truth. And this is what I love about this. But here's the really cool thing that I love about this first section of, uh, of this, uh, this passage here. Is that John's getting his information from fellow believers. He's not necessarily seeing Gaius firsthand and what he's doing when he's writing this letter. So I think that's important for us to know as fellow believers, as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, the importance of us to, to make sure that we take notice of the good works that each other's doing. And not only that, but to share it with other brothers and sisters for encouragement. This is really, really important. This is how I can, I'm where I'm at. Brother David, he encourages me all the time. Brother Kevin, I'm telling you what, without that kind of encouragement, Brother Danny, he, he called me up at 8-something this morning and he prayed with me. Without that kind of encouragement and feeding into, into, into my system, I'm not, I'm not up here today. I can't do it. And I, I mean, I don't even know what I'm up here anyways, but except that I love to speak about Jesus. And that's why he's got me on this stage today. And I think that's evident in everyone's lives that I've been able to um, speak into. You guys are so patient. Um, but um, I also um, listed an application um, to this first uh, passage here. And, um, and, the, and so I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, well, how does this apply to our lives? And I listed out these five things that I, th that I'm, that I, that I pick up when I read this passage here. First one is this. What we do. What we do is important. What do we do? We speak the truth. We speak Jesus. Uh, Here Be Lions has, this, uh, has a song. I don't know if you guys have heard it yet. It says, I Speak Jesus. It's one of my favorite songs. Every time I hear it, I can't contain myself. My eyes start to sweat. And um, I'm driving down the road, and I can hardly see sometimes. But that's what we do. What we do, we speak the truth. That's important. Number two, how do we do it? Speaking the truth is of utmost importance. But the way we do it is absolutely important as well. So we speak, we speak the truth in love. Number three, encouragement. I just talked about that. There's nothing better that we can do for a brother and sister than to encourage them along the way. Keep them grounded, keep them focused, but also keep them lifted up so that they know that what the work that they're doing is not in vain. The work that we are doing here for Jesus Christ is so, so important, and we can't lose sight of that ever. Number four, faithfulness. Gospel-focused, Jesus first. We have to be faithful, just like this uh, believer, just like this brother Gaius. We have, to, we have to be faithful in speaking the truth. And number five, support. Build each other up, just like encouragement. Build each other up. This kind of application takes real obedience. You guys know, if you guys are anything like me, you've been out in the world, and you know that God's telling you, you know the Spirit's calling you to, to, to say something to someone or to do something for someone, but something inside of you says, oh, man, I just don't think I can do it. It's, it's, that, it's that, you know, we don't have that boldness sometimes. We're a little bit afraid sometimes to step out and do stuff. 
but this, this application takes real obedience. And um, I wanted to show this slide, slide number five. We, oh, it's already up, look at that. Francis Chan has a quote. It says this, obedience often grates against our natural desires, but if we obey only when it feels natural, then Jesus is not truly Lord of our lives. Delayed obedience is, obe is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. This happened to me just two days ago, Friday. Me and my family were on vacation down in North Carolina. We were walking through the streets of Wilmington, North Carolina. We were looking for something to eat. We thought we were going to try to seek out this pizza place. And as we're uh, walking past this one corner, there's a, there's, a, there's a man sitting on a light pole or, or some kind of stoop. And he's asking for help. He's talking to this other gentleman, and the other gentleman's just kind of like, you know, ignoring him and putting him off. So we're walking by kind of in the background. But I heard the guy say to the, to the other man standing up, he said, please, if you have any leftovers, could you just bring them out to me? I'm hungry. I heard it. What did I do? Kept walking with my family, with my friends. Delayed obedience. Got to the restaurant. Spirit started speaking to me. I was so thankful because he called me back to think about this man. And I thought, my first thought was, you know what? I'm certain. I mean, anytime I go get pizza, we have leftover pizza. I'm certain I'm going to have leftover pizza to take to this guy. So I'm starting to feel all good inside. Starting to feel real good inside. I'm like, I'm going to make up for this one. But then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to give this guy leftovers. I'm going to order this guy his own meal. I want this guy to have his own meal. I don't want him to have my leftovers. So me and my son looked at each other, and we were like, yeah, Dad, you got to order him his own food. And I said, you're right, man. Let's do it. And I said, then we'll take it, and we'll go back and find him. And then we, we got out of the restaurant, and we were carrying this uh, package of food to him, and Nowhere to be found. I don't know what happened. He, I don't know if he got chased off. I don't know if he got up and left. But we decided, me and my son, we decided to walk. We weaved the streets about five, six blocks maybe, seven blocks, and we couldn't find him anywhere. We were looking for him on every corner. We were looking for him down the alleys. Couldn't find him. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry, God. I messed up. I said, but if you want, give me somebody else to give this box to. Give me somebody to hand this food off to. So we come around the corner. Block after I, I asked God to give me somebody to hand this food to, we saw another homeless guy. He was completely out of his mind, drunk. We went up to him. We offered him food, and he wouldn't take it. He just wanted money. Obviously, in a situation like that, I know what he wanted money for. He wanted money to go get some more booze. I've been there. I, I grew up in the streets of D.C. I've seen it all my life. He wouldn't accept the food. He only wanted money from us. So we walked away with a box in our hand, and my heart was broken. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Because I had to take care of myself first. I had to make sure that my family was fed first, and instead of understanding that this guy was starving on the street. So I missed it. Delayed obedience, disobedience. We have to make sure we keep our eyes open. If you guys are anything like me, you ask God to give these opportunities. But if you're also anything like me, sometimes you don't see the opportunity sitting right in front of you. So we need to stay focused on Jesus. When we stay focused on Jesus first, our eyes are open and the Spirit talks to us and communicates with us. And he shows us exactly what we need to do. 
my eyes got off of Jesus for a second because I was hungry. I wanted to go eat. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm still thinking about it, and I'm still having pain in my heart about it. So that's important. I see there's a clock back there. Doesn't work? Oh, okay, good. <laughs> I, know, and I know in Mr. Nick's church, he doesn't have a clock. He says I can go as long as I want, so <laughs> I'm just playing with you guys. Uh, we're good. Um, so anyways, um, we're going to talk about the second man now. The second man in this, in this story here that, uh, that has um, another reputation, his name is Diotrephes. We're on slide six. Diotrephes, uh, 3 John, verses 9 and 10. Let's read this. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is why, if I come, I will remind him of the work he is doing, slandering us uh, with malicious words. And he is not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. He even stops other fellow believers on welcoming believers that are coming into town. This guy, I mean, the, the, the summary that I, that I came up with this guy is he's a bad egg. This guy is a bad egg. Um, as you can see from the scripture. So uh, um, uh, how does this apply to us again? I broke this down into an application. The first one is this. Don't be a bad egg. We need to understand that when we're serving Jesus Christ, we can't let distractors like that influence us, first of all. Obviously, um, he's influencing some people because he still has a church that he's speaking at. And, um, but the thing is, is this. We have to make sure that we stay Jesus-focused all the time, first. Second, self-centeredness or Jesus first. Self-centeredness or Jesus first. Where do you stand? It reminds me of that test that Kevin had a couple of weeks ago for you guys, that self-grading test. And I'll tell you what, when I, when I was reviewing this stuff this morning and, and finishing up my notes, I was like, I started thinking about that guy in Wilmington again. And I was like, I was self-centered that day. And I didn't, you know, I, I, and, and it, it tears you apart inside. But when we're Jesus-focused first, that's important because then we think about all the things that we don't gain anything from when we serve, when we give, when we give of ourselves, when we give of our words, when we give of our, of our goods, when we give of, our, um, of anything that we can possibly give of um, when it's Jesus first. This guy wanted first place among the people. We live in a society of me first mentality. Is that not right? You guys experience that in places that you go? I know, I know that I, I'm guilty of it sometimes. We want to make a name for ourselves. This is, this, this is not just um, non-believers. These are people that we, that we call brothers and sisters sometimes. These are people leading these churches sometimes. They want to be me first mentality. And when, you, when, and when we see that, when we see um, churches trying to make a name for themselves before making a name for Jesus, it's evident all around us. Pastor Huff talked just a few weeks ago in his last message about the importance of being Jesus-focused and the importance of watching out, the importance of telling the truth. And I'll tell you what, that message has carried me through for these last four weeks. Every time, I've listened to it twice now. And, and, I, and I just keep getting filled up. And some people will look at that message and say, why is he talking to us like that? 
And I look at that message and say, man, I love what he's saying here. This is important, and everyone needs to hear this truth. And he was doing it with love. This man loves you guys, and it's all over him. It's all over him when I watch him preach. And I tell you what, it's very, very impactful. Now, I know he gave you an ultimatum. He said, you got four weeks to vote me out. But I'm telling you, if you vote him out, you guys are going to be losing something big. Don't do it. Vote him in for another 10 years. Listen, whatever the term might be, four years, I don't know. <laughs> Trust me. This guy loves you guys. And he, and, he, and he loves you because he gives you the truth. He's not here to sugarcoat stuff for you. Yeah, he, he, he gives you the truth in love, but he gives you the truth. And there's no greater love than to know the truth. Trust me on this. Number four. Kevin likes this one. Dirty words or mouse turds. This is, what this, is, this is one of the applications for this word. Dirty words or mouse turds. We, we use this term in our home when, when somebody says something bad, you know, or, you know, that's, that's not uplifting. Dirty words or mouse turds. And, and it reminds us that we need to speak with uh, kindness and, and uplifting words. This guy's not doing that, is he? This guy does not want anything to do with that. As a matter of fact, he's doing the opposite. He's, he's, uh, he's ridiculing fellow believers. He's, he's completely taken John's authority out of the church that he's obviously overseeing at the time. If he can kick people out, then he obviously has some kind of leadership in this church. I didn't do a lot of digging in on the research about who this guy is, but this is what we know just from reading this scripture. I have experience with this. It might not be as blatant as Diotrephes and, and, and the fellow believers that he's, that he's going through, but I have experience with this. See, the thing is, is when we put Jesus first in everything that we do, it rubs people the wrong way. People get irritated. And the thing is, is the same light of Jesus that is warm and inviting to so many people can be an eye irritant to others, even people in leadership roles. And we have to be very careful about what we're following. Pastor Huff and Kevin and everyone who stands here and preaches the word of God is going to tell you, if they're telling you the truth, don't listen to me. I'm just telling you what this says. Read the Bible. That's where you're going to learn the truth. So everything that I'm telling you, make sure that you go home and verify it with this. Because that's what's important. What I say is not important. What he says is not important. Other than the fact that unless it's the truth from the word of God. The word of God is divisive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. You're either going to love it and run to it, or you're going to hate it and draw away from it. There's no other way. There's no neutral ground when it comes to this. We must know the real from the fake, the truth from the false teaching. Slide 7. And uh, there's, there's a, I'm going to read this. Uh, it's from 2 Timothy 4. Um, Verse 3 and 4, 2 Timothy 4. This is a, a, such a great example of, of what, we, what we see in, in our society today. Verse 3, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. This is exactly what this guy's doing. This guy, Diotrephes, that's exactly what he's doing. And it's not okay because he's influencing believers to follow him. And he's taking them down a road that is away from Jesus. 
We have to be careful. We have to be very, very careful to know what Jesus is calling and requiring of us. And we have to know that from right here in this book. We have a third guy um, that we're going to talk about. His name is Demetrius. Um, Demetrius, I'm going to read uh, verse 11 and 12. Verse 11 and 12. You got that, Kevin? Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil is, has not seen God. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself. And if we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony, then you, and you know that our testimony is true. This, is a, this application and summary is real, is real simple with this guy. You know, he's, he's obviously a, a trusted uh, follower of Christ, just like Gaius is. Again, it shows that good works must be seen. Good works need to be seen. There's a, there's a, a scripture I have on, my, on one of these bands here. It's uh, Matthew 5, 13, and 14. And, 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 and Jesus is telling us about being the light of the world and about being the salt of the earth. Being the light of the world and salt of the earth. That means we have to shine his light and we have to season it with salt every time we have an opportunity to speak to someone, especially non-believers. But a couple verses later in, in, um, in verse 16, Jesus says this, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God in heaven. Let your good works, let your light shine among others. Let your good works shine among others, so that they can see what's going on, and they know that your good works are from the Lord. This is important. We don't, we're not supposed to hide the good things that we do for the Lord. It's not about selfish ambition. It's not about self-boasting. It's about Jesus first in everything that we do, right? These men's reputation, um, uh, well, for, first of all, I, there's a slide. Do you have slide nine on? Oh, look, man, he's so, so far ahead of me. This is good stuff. Um, legendary uh, coach, uh, basketball coach uh, for UCLA, uh, John Wooden is quoted as saying this, reputation is what people think about you. Character is what you actually are. Reputation is what people think about you. Your character is what you actually are. That's two different things. But you can see in, in, the, in these cases here with these gentlemen, these three gentlemen, that uh, each of their reputation is very true to their character. And I think there's something very, very important to, to point out here um, because these guys are either showing faithful fellowship and, and, uh, and, and trust and, and sharing the truth with everyone they can versus this one guy, Diotrephes, who's trying to steer people away from what the real truth is. I thought I would outdo Kevin. I know it's hard to outdo Kevin. I know he's, he's such a great teacher. I love watching his messages. Um, and, uh, but I thought I would outdo him because I've only seen Kevin ever do, I could be wrong, I haven't seen all of Kevin's messages, one prop. But I'm going to do a second prop today if you guys don't mind. Uh, so what I have here is I have a bowl of fruit. And I need some volunteers that would be interested in having some fruit. Does anyone? I see uh, Lillian. Uh, um, anybody else? So what I want you guys to do when I call you up, if you could come up and grab a piece of fruit and just stand next to me, okay? Did I see a little hand here? What's your name, sweetheart? You want to come up and you want some fruit? You want to come up and stand here next to me? 
Lillian? Anybody else? What's your name? Kaylee? Come on up. All right. Let me, let me, get, let me get one more. You coming up? That's all right. Both of you guys can come on up. All right. Grab yourself a piece of fruit. Don't say anything. Just grab some fruit, whichever one you want, and stand next to me here. Got an apple. Nice. Oh, you got a green apple. That's awesome. Banana. You got an orange. Look at that. Oh, a bunch of grapes, man. I was hoping I was going to get the grapes. So why don't you guys, uh, who wants to take the first bite? Anybody want to take a bite? Why not? They're rubber balls? What about you guys? You guys have, you have an orange there? Take a bite. Feel that thing. It's plastic? All right. You guys, thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. You can put it back in the bowl here. That's right. It is. It wasn't real. Could you guys tell it wasn't real when I pulled that bowl out? Because from a distance, we don't know. Sometimes it looks like it's real, doesn't it? From a distance, it looks like they all thought they were coming up here to eat a piece of real fruit, even though that bowl was glass and see-through. But the thing is, is the fruit is fake. There's no way you can eat that fruit. We got to be careful. Everything that we do, we got we to take it back to the Word of God. We got to make sure that we compare everything that we learn, everything that people tell us to the Word of God. You know, we have trusted leaders in, in, in place, and we put our trust in them. And we can see by what, by what they do, following what they say, whether their fruit is real or whether their fruit is fake. That's very, very important. They have a very, very important job, these pastors. They're leading a flock, as you guys. They have a high standard to maintain, and they have a high accountability at stake. So if they lead you astray, they're going to be in big trouble. So we have to make sure that the fruit we're going to partake in is always real. And this is the real fruit of Jesus. So we do have a fourth character here, and his name is John. He's the author, right? He wrote this letter. And, um, and so we're, uh, we're going to wrap up this, uh, this letter here by reading um, the final verses. The farewell. I have many things to write to you, but I don't want to write to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be with you. The friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. Greet the friends by name. Not only, if you, if you remember earlier when uh, we were talking about uh, the fact that, uh, that, uh, that John heard the testimony of fellow believers about Gaius, and he heard the testimony of fellow believers about Demetrius, he's making it clear that, that we have to trust in the, the testimony of fellow believers that are speaking the truth. But the other thing about this is that he, he also makes it clear that, that, um, that we have to, uh, even the believers that we don't know, See, see um, we're not only brothers and sisters in Christ with the people inside this building. We're brothers and sisters with other believers at other churches, with anyone who accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Now, that might be a stranger, and John points that out. Even the strangers we have to welcome all the time. And this is important because sometimes uh, we, uh, we uh, tend to um, shy back from, uh, from sharing the same news that we would 
inside here with the people that we know and the faces that we know with people that we don't know. Again, it goes back to where I started. Sometimes we, we, uh, we need to ask God to give us the boldness all the time because we don't always know who our brother and sister is. That's the one thing for sure. But when we do, we have to make sure that we encourage them just like we would encourage each other inside the building. There's nothing more important than spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. That's it. If any of you are wondering what your purpose is as a Christian, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to make it real simple. It's to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone we possibly can. That's it. You don't need to know any more than that. Now, there's more Jesus that God has in store for you. He's given each and every one of us gifts, and we know that. And we're supposed to tap into those gifts, and we're supposed to... To pray and ask the Spirit to reveal those to us and to season us as we go along. But the biggest thing is that if you have, um, if, if there's a waiting period for, for you to understand where God's specifically drawing you, there's one thing that you can never, ever stop and never, ever shy away from, and that's sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We, um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, we are walking through Charlestown. We're, we're praying over Jefferson County on, the, on a Tuesday night prayer walk. And, and, um, and so I'm on the, we, I decided in my head when we got out of the car that I was going to go this way. And I get on the phone because I got a work call and I got distracted. And my wife and, and the other group that we were with went that way instead of the way I had already planned on going. So I get off the phone and I'm like, why are you going that way? You know, we're going this way. You know, I'd already had it planned out. And um, it turns out that that, that was a spirit-led thing. Somebody in our group was, was led to go down that street because what happened was we, we ran into these three people that were out behind this, this uh, vacant field, and they were, um, they were obviously drinking, and they were pretty um, inebriated at the time. And so I was like, we walked by them, and I was like, oh, you know, I was, you know, I didn't want anything to do with it. I just wanted to keep walking because they looked like they wanted nobody to bother them. So obviously we got down to the, to the, to the end of the block, and the Spirit started speaking to me and saying, you got to get back over there and talk to those people. Go talk to those people. And so I walked back, and as I was walking back past them, I was like, you know, I don't know if that's a spirit or if that's just me trying to tell, me, tell myself to, to go talk to them. But, but something said right then and there, go over and talk to those people. So I, I, I introduced myself. I said, how are you guys doing? My name's Dave. I said, would it be okay if I came over and talked to you for a minute? And they're like, yeah, yeah, come on over. And um, so I walked over there, and I was, I was a little nervous. I didn't know what to expect. Um, and so I walked over there, and um, I introduced myself again. I told them what we were doing. I said, listen, I said, we're walking through these streets of, 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 of Charlestown. I said, we're walking through the communities. I said, we're praying over the, you know, over the government. We're praying over the people. And um, is there anything that I can pray with you guys for? And the lady perked up. She was like, she got a big old smile on her face. She said, I heard about you guys. I heard about you guys. I said, what do you mean you heard about us? She said, you guys have been doing this for, se for several months now, haven't you? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I heard about you guys walking through this town praying for people. And she said, um, absolutely. Can, would you talk to us a little bit more? So I, I talked to them. I had, I had these Jesus Love Me bracelets. I said, after I finished talking, we talked for just a few minutes. I said, would you guys you know, mind if I gave you a bracelet? And it says, Jesus loves me on it. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so I walked away from that, and my, my spirits were picked up because, not just because they took the bracelets, not just because they allowed me to come over and talk to them, but they said, 
We heard about you guys. We heard about you guys. This is huge. See, when we do the work of Jesus, people hear about it. Not all of them like it, but they hear about it because the Spirit is working. He goes before us, and we pray for this in advance. We, tell, we ask the Spirit to, to encourage us, to give us the boldness to do this, because this is not a comfort zone for most people. This is not a comfort zone for me. I don't, I'm not one of those you know, guys that just want to go out and walk up to strangers and introduce myself. But when it's Spirit-led, you don't have any choice. You know? And the thing is, it's is, is just like that guy in, 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 in Wilmington. When it's spirit-led and you deny it, there's something missing inside of you. It's emptiness. But when you listen to it, you're so fulfilled. And it didn't really lead to anything other than that. But what I did know is that this, Jesus is going ahead of us in preparing people's ears, in preparing people's eyes. And when we call on him to lead us and shine his light and let us walk in that pathway, he will prepare the way. There's no other way about it. We tend to, to, to not trust in that sometimes. I don't trust in that sometimes, but I'm learning to trust in it more. And I'll tell you what, he's given me a boldness to be able to go up to anybody, anywhere, and introduce myself and just ask them how they're doing. I'm not going to go up to people and, and just start preaching the gospel to them. People don't want to hear that stuff, but people do want to know that you care. They want to have a conversation. They want to share their feelings. See, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And that opens up an opportunity, just going up to them and saying hi. Let's encourage people to do that. Let's encourage each other to do that. This is so important. We have to be careful. We have to be careful of false teaching. We have to be careful of false teachings. See, um, we, as I broke this down, there's four main characters I, I mentioned. But I want to I suggest that there's a fifth character in this letter. There's a fifth character in this letter, or characters, and that's the fellow believers. And I think that this is one of the most important characters, or a group of characters, in this, in this letter. Just as important as the other ones. Because these fellow believers are testifying on behalf of other people. They're testifying on behalf of other people. So they're encouraging, and they're making sure that, that everyone knows. They're making sure that John knows that there's good works being done. There's really good works being done. And John might not have known that other than the fact that these fellow believers told him. And that's why I think that these characters are one of the main characters in this building. Um, focus. Focus on Jesus. Man, Kevin is on it, man. So this is a quote I, I've, I, I've heard of from uh, Corey Ten Boom. When we, look around, uh, um, when we look around us at the world, we will be distressed. When we look within us, we will be depressed. But when we look at Christ, we will be at rest. That's one of my favorite quotes. I don't know about you guys, but I feel a lot of rest when I'm, when I'm thinking about Jesus. I feel this joy. It's overwhelming despite what's going on in the world, despite our losses. This, this song that we played earlier about home from, from Chris Tomlin, um, I didn't pick that by accident. I picked that because of... Brother Dave, that you guys are, are going through the mourning process of. See, the thing is, is, is we look at this loss in, in our own fleshly desires, and it hurts. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's okay. But the thing is, is from, from, from Brother Dave's perspective, he's gone home. 
Because he made the choices here. He made the choices while he was in time. That after he took his last breath, he went over to eternity and he's spending it with Jesus. He's home. And, he, and, he's, and he's healed. And he's happy. And he's probably saying, so long, suckers, to us. But for us, it hurts. And I wanted to, to I, I mean, I wanted to share that. I never met Dave personally. I met him. I saw his face online, Dave and Mary. I saw them through the, through the Zoom meetings. And I got to know them. And I could see what special people they are. And I can see why it's such a loss for you guys. It's important. He's home. He's with Jesus. I don't know about you guys, but man, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm, I'm, I, don't want it, I don't know if I want it to hurry up, but if it does, I'm good. I'm good, and, I, and I, I promise you, I will look down at you guys and say, so long, suckers, because I'm going to be in the glory of God, praising him day and night. Man, that's, that's good stuff, but it hurts us. We're missing somebody we love, doesn't it? We have to stay focused, and we have to get in the game. You guys... Ever watch football? Anybody ever watch football? Professional football? High school football? It doesn't matter. You watch football, man? So, so on, on, when, when, they're on, when the team's on offense, right before they run a play, what do they do? They huddle, right? So, so, so we got to get in the game. See, these, these guys are out on the field, and they're huddling up, right? And they're calling a play. The quarterback usually is the one calling the play, right? Isn't that right, bud? And so have you ever played football? So, so after the play is called, what happens? They go line up, right? And they run the play. That's the way it's supposed to be done. When we huddle up on here on Sunday mornings, we're calling a play. Pastor's calling a play. That it doesn't end there. We, can you imagine after the play's been called, if everyone said, break, and they run back, and they go sit on the bench? How are they going to score? How are they going to win the game? You don't, you, don't, you don't call a play and then go sit on the bench. You call a play and then you line up and run the play, right? That's what we do. Now, you could take a wide receiver. There's 11 men on the field. You could take a wide receiver, and after you called the play, one of them went off. And it, it might hurt a little bit. You might have, like, maybe a wide receiver and a running back or maybe a blocker. Maybe two or three of them went off the field. And it would probably hurt a lot, but you could still run the play. But what if the whole team went and sat down on the sideline? You can't run the play, can you? This is important. This is important. we got to run the play. We're in a huddle here every single Sunday. We, got, we can't just sit here Monday through Saturday and act like there's no play to run. we got to run the play each and every time. This is important. we got to know that Jesus is with us all the time. Um, it's easy to be swayed, and it's easy, it's easy for us to fall into society and its, and its, and its ways. It's real easy. We're, we're, we're of the flesh. We're, our, our flesh comes out. Regardless of how close we want to be to Jesus, our flesh comes out sometimes, and it takes over. You guys ever heard of a chameleon? We're down in North Carolina, and, and there's these lizards. Uh, I looked them up. They're called anole lizards, but sometimes they're called chameleons. You know what a chameleon does? A chameleon, a, cha a chameleon, right? Am I saying that right? They're, you know what the characteristics of these guys are? They have the ability to change colors. You know that? They do it by changing their mood. 
to be accepted socially in the different scenarios. That's what a chameleon does. It's done by, by manipulating the cells in their bodies. This blows me away. When, I, when I'm reading about this chameleon, I'm sitting there saying, that's us, man. We, 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 fall, we, we, we change our colors depending on what group of people we're around. Are you the same person when you're in church as you are at work? Are we the same people in church as we are at the ball field? I mean, are, are we followers of Jesus the same way in everything that we do? Or do we, do we change colors depending on what group of people we're around? That's important. I know I've been there. Trust me, it wasn't that many years ago that I, I would be in church and be one person, and I'd get around some drinking buddies, and I'd be another person. And I'd get around some work people, and I'd be another person. Not even letting anybody know that I was a follower of Jesus. Just didn't fit into my life. I didn't want anybody looking at me and, and not accepting me. That's, I don't... <laughs> None of that stuff is important, man. That, that, it's all, I mean, James says it like this. We make plans to go here and there, to do this and that. But our life is like a mist. We got one opportunity at this. We have one opportunity. There's a line in the sand. One side of that line is time. The other side of that line is eternity. Our last breath, we go from time to eternity. We only have one opportunity to get this right. Because we don't know when that last breath is. We don't know when that mist is going to be vanished. We have to do this thing right. This is Jesus. This is our eternity we're talking about. This is our eternity. It's not worth playing with. We got to stay focused on Jesus. We got to stay focused on Jesus. On Jesus. These chameleons are crazy. You know what Jesus calls people like this? Hypocrites. That's what Jesus calls people like this. This is a tactic of Satan. He wants us to be manipulated by our surroundings. But we have to say no to that, don't we? We got to say no to that. Um, it's easy to get trapped in things that feel good to us. Our flesh wants to be pleased. Our, our, our minds want to be uh, me first. There's a story I read several months ago um, about this hunter, um, about how uh, hunters capture these monkeys in Africa. Um, what they do is they, the, the hunters, they drill a hole in a coconut, and they put a little, like a, jewel, a piece of jewelry in there, a little trinket in there, inside there, because they know that the monkeys are going to see that, and they're going to be attracted to it. And what the monkeys do is they come over to it, and they put their hand in the coconut, and they grab onto the trinket, the piece of jewelry, whatever it is that they put in there. Well, what happens is when the monkey has this thing in its hand, its hand expands, so it can't pull its hand back out of the hole. And the hunters know this, and that's when they get them. But the thing is, is the monkey doesn't realize that if it would just let go of the trinket, its hand would pull right back out of the hole. But it wants that trinket more than it wants its own life. I know that's not something that, that happens to you guys. Maybe somebody on your row, but not you, right? Man, it's, it's crazy. We have to be careful. What is our focus? Who are we focused on? Who are we focused on? What are we focused on? So, 
The title of my message today was Sum and Substance. The Sum and Substance of Christian Core Values. I just came up with these, these, uh, this little list here. Love, truth, faithfulness, representatives or ambassadors, which is being like Christ, right? We represent him. And the church, the body, which is Jesus. These five things, I think, can be summed up in the, the, the core Christian values. Love, truth, faithfulness, being an ambassador for Christ, and the church. The church. The church. It's not this building. It's what's in this building. That's the church. That's what we have to remember. There's a lot of buildings out there that call themselves churches, but there's only one church. And society will try to make you think differently. As a matter of fact, they'll put a, a name on it, like a Baptist or, or, or Lutheran. Or, 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 or Presbyterian, or we call those denominations. Jesus calls those divisions. We are one church. We are one body when we're in Christ. I'm going to start trying to wrap this up. I'm sure you guys want to go home and eat some lunch. I was just kidding about the pizza. I don't think Kevin ordered pizza, did you? I got the app ready. <laughs> you got the app ready. All right, cool. <laughs> Um, so uh, we're going to go to the next slide here, and this is, uh, this is, I think this is important now. Me and my wife have been, uh, had, had started reading through um, Ezekiel, and I wanted to share this with you real quick because, because there is, there's really good news, man. There's, there's really good news. This is from um, Ezekiel 3, um, starting in verse 1. And if you haven't had a chance to read this uh, Ezekiel in a while, um, it might be something to circle back at. Um, verse 1, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find here. Eat this scroll. Then go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me the scroll. Son of man, he said to me, feed your stomach and fill your belly with this scroll I am giving you. So I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. The scroll. Scroll, that's the word. That's the word of God. We got to eat this day and night. We don't have any trouble eating our breakfast and snacking between breakfast and lunch and lunch and snacks and dinner and snacks. We don't have any trouble eating all that stuff. We feel like that's what's sustaining us. But what about the Word of God? Are we eating that day and night? Are we eating that day and night? Because this is what is going to sustain us for eternity. Eternity. That's where our focus needs to be. That's exactly where our focus needs to be. So if you guys remember the first prop I did about the music, um, I, that was, I didn't just throw that out there for no reason. There's a reason for it because in, in, in John chapter 10, Jesus says this, my sheep know my voice and they listen. You guys were very, very quick within seconds of knowing who Zach Williams were within seconds of knowing who Chris Tomlin was, because you're familiar with them, because you hear them, maybe several times a week. Jesus is saying, my sheep know my voice, and they listen. How well do you know the voice of Jesus? How well do we know the voice of Jesus? That's the voice that we need to know. That's the voice that we need to know.
Mr. Huff, just a few short weeks ago, gave this mind-blowing statistic as far as I was concerned. 6% Bible literacy. 6% Bible literacy of evangelical Christians. People that call themselves evangelical Christians have a 6% Bible literacy. That's just knowing the, the, the basis of the Bible, right? Is that what you're talking about? That's crazy. We can't be that. We can't be that statistic. Let's not fit into that 6%. There's another statistic I've been, I've been looking at for uh, a couple of years now from the Barna Group. 23% of people that profess to be Christians read the Bible at all. 23%. That's less than a quarter. 23%. How can we, how can we possibly know Jesus if we don't know the Bible? It's impossible. I mean, I'll just answer the question. It's impossible. 23%. Read the Bible. Mind-blowing to me. Mind-blowing. See, in, in, in Psalm, I don't, think, I don't think I have this, Kevin, but I'm going to flip to it real quick. In, in Psalm 91, um, in verse 1, um, it says this, The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. You ever walk down the street on a sunny day with somebody and their shadow casts in front of you and you, and you can like step on it or stuff? And you're like, I don't know if you, when you were kids, we used to step on each other's shadows, you know, thinking it was going to do something. But you had to be, it, you could do that because of your proximity to that person, right? Dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. How can we dwell in his shadow unless we have proximity with God? We can't. That's the only way we can dwell in a shadow. But listen to this. Listen to this awesome stuff here. Hold on. This is good. Bear with me a second. Let me find this. Oh, man, this is good. Um, I don't even think I need this. I can't even find it. In the same, in the same letter, um, the same psalm, Psalm 91, it says this. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near you. It will, the pestilence will not come near you. Do you understand what this means? Do you guys understand this? That when we put God first in everything we do, when we walk in his shadow, when we put our trust in him and our faith in him, we have a protection that he promises us. You know that God can't lie? You guys know that, right? God can't lie. He promises his protection of us. We have nothing to worry about. And if anything happens to us here, where do we get to go? We get to go with him. There's nothing to worry about. This is a promise that I live in every single day. And I'm encouraging you guys, get into this awesome stuff. Pastor Huff said earlier, he was talking about an a, a interview he saw with uh, uh, um, Charles, uh, yeah, R.C. Sproul. And somebody asked him this question about, uh, about um, if, if God, yes. The thing is, is this entire book, this entire book, the Old Testament, is one big love story of God crying after his people. Trust me. Trust me. This is what I have for you. Put your trust in me. And we see time after time 
that they decide to go away from him. And they have to deal with the consequences. But he loves us so much that he keeps calling us back. Come on back. I got you. And when we do, we live under the protection of the Most High. We dwell in his shadow. He's got us covered when we choose him. And then we fall away. It's not him. That's us. We have to stay focused on God. We have to stay so focused on God. Um, I want to read this. Uh, do, I, do we have time, Kevin? We're good? Um, I, this, this, this just wraps up if, uh, this, this awesomeness that, uh, that, I, that, that just blows my mind um, sometimes uh, when I read it. And I just love reading it because it just it reminds me of how, who God is, who God is in our lives. We see right here in Genesis, he is the bread of life. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, he is the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's Israel's guide. In Joshua, he is salvation's choice. In Judges, he is Israel's guard. In Ruth, he's our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's the trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he is sovereign. In Ezra, he is the truth and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the one that rebuilds walls and he rebuilds our lives. In Esther, he's our courage. In Job, he is our timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he is our morning song. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's our time and a season. In Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he is the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he's the call for Israel. In Ezekiel, he's the call from sin. In Daniel, he's the stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he is the forever faithful. In Joel, he is the, the Spirit's power. In Amos, he is the strong arms that carry. In Obadiah, in Obadiah, he is the Lord and Savior. In Jonah, he's the great missionary. In Micah, he is the promise of peace. In Nahum, he's our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he, is, he brings revival. In Haggai, he restores what, um, what that which was once lost. In Zechariah, he is our fountain. In Malachi, he is the sun of righteousness rising with healing in his wings. Is that not good stuff? I don't know about you guys, but this stuff makes my eyes want to sweat. Look, if we just flip over a few more pages, we're going to see, you're going to find in, uh, in, in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that he is, he's not just our God, he's our Messiah. In the Spirit-filled book of Acts, he is the, the reigning fire from heaven. In Romans, he is the grace of God. Thank you, God. In, 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 in um, Corinthians, he's the power of love. In Galatians, he is the freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, he's our glorious treasure. In Philippians, he's the servant's heart. In Colossians, he's God in the Trinity. In Thessalonians, he's our calling king. In Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, he's our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, he's the faith and everlasting courage. In James, he's the one who will heal you when you are sick. First and second Peter, he is our faithful shepherd. In John and Jude, he's the love who is coming for his bride. And in Revelation, in the very end, when it's all said and done, he was and is and will be the first and last, the beginning and end. That's our God. That's our God. That's our God. 
got this great video. I'm going to I want to just uh, say this real quick. Uh, 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 John Wooden has uh, has another quote. It's um it's uh the eight laws of learning. John Wooden, the, the coach I was talking to you guys about, and it goes like this: um, the eight laws of learning. And this is what helps me remember how important and and how to go about um, reading scripture and meditating on it. This is the basketball uh, laws of learning that I use in my scripture reading. Explanation has to be explained. Demonstration. So what's explained needs to be demonstrated. Imitation. We want to mimic everything that we're learning. Number four, repetition. Number five, repetition. Number six, repetition. Number seven, repetition. Number eight, repetition. This is the importance of getting this inside of us, repetition. I got to show you guys this one thing. This, this blows me away. And I'm probably going to have to sit down and grab some tissue because it blows me away every single time. Brian, you want to show that video? This is a video from, uh, from Louis Giglio. It's a, it's a five, five and a half minutes, and then I'm, and then I'm going to close this out. Is that cool with you guys?